Thank you for tuning in to the Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy. I'm Leah. I'm Thomas. I'm Jeremy. And I'm Raphael. And today we're going to be talking about food in fantasy. I, I often, just kidding, I never fantasize about food. In fact, I fantasize about not needing to eat food anymore. I'm fantasizing about food right now because I haven't eaten today. <laughs> I literally read cookbooks for fun, so I, I love food. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, yeah, food and fantasy. Um, Leah, uh, while we were planning this episode, you made some interesting points about food and its relationship to uh, preserving, what would you say, cultural heritage? Cultural, yeah. So, so food is oftentimes a really big part of people's cultures as well as a really big part of religion. I was reading up about it a little bit before we started. And just, you know, to get a little background information on food. And the fact that if you meet anybody from anywhere, they tend to have, like, that favorite dish that's really important to them and their family or them and their community or them and their culture. Well, what's, like, a, your favorite example in a book of uh, a story that has used food to enhance the culture? I mean, like, off the top of my head... Um, I think of Brian Jakes with the Redwall series, just how he constantly would go into detail about feasts and just the way the food was cooked. And you'd be sitting there reading and you'd forget about the adventure and you just start salivating instead. So with intelligent animals, do they eat meat? They would eat fish. I remember that. <laughs> the, the classic uh, talking animal world yes. meat option. Well, because then you start introducing, it's like, okay, where you have, like, these squirrels and these mice, and they're eating cows. I'm like, those are some big cows compared to, you know, the size of a mouse. So it would be like this group of cavemen just, like, hunting this this giant cow kind of a thing. No, so um, yeah, <laughs> Brian, no Brian, Brian Jakes tried to stay that. away from the whole awesome. <laughs> size differential of animals. But, you know, the, it was really interesting because they would talk about, like, these uh, these, like, strawberry cordials and these scones filled with honey and butter. And just it would go into way detailed descriptions of all these different uh, delectable dishes and he'd sit there just drooling and even uh, he was so famous for doing this and he was so good at doing this that he actually even developed some cookbooks based off of these fantasy dishes and he had the fun t the funnest time creating these dishes from his imagination so that's wow. really cool I haven't heard of this at all this person yeah, Redwall. Redwall. Medieval uh, mice. He, I believe he. he okay, was, cool. I believe he was inspired because of World War Two, or like you know, lack of of large amounts of food. I, 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 no, don't quote me on this, but this is from what I've heard, you know. And so he loved to add. Food oh, this to will his be stories. peer reviewed. Okay, good. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> By my mother. <laughs> <laughs> my mom listens to everything I do. <laughs> She loves all of it. My mom says I'm a good writer. <laughs> well, that, that's the only example that I can think of off the, top, off the top of my head. What about you guys? I'm going for Wheel of Time because I've read the series a lot of times, and I know that they talk a lot about food and how they describe food differently from different areas. So wherever the characters are from, like this place has really spicy food, and this place has tends to have really sweet food. And the, the main one of the times where one of the main characters is introduced to a lemon is actually pretty funny because they'd never had lemons before, you know. So... Another yeah. uh, interesting example, speaking of Brandon Sanderson adjacent, um, is in the <laughs> Way of Kings, uh, or the Stormlight Archive, um, women, like, they have lots of cultural differences that are just about gender. It's mm -hmm. really funny. Like, 
women read, men don't. Um, men eat, if I remember right, men eat spicy food and women eat sweet food. And when like the the queen like walks up or former queen, whatever, and like goes to the men's table, which is for one taboo, mm-hmm. and then starts eating some of the men's food, it's extra taboo. And she's like the former queen, so everyone's just like, oh my gosh, what is she doing? This is so weird. Mm-hmm. She's like, I like spicy food. <laughs> Just starts nom nomming it up because it's so good. Can you imagine having to live in a society where you're? It's not culturally acceptable for you to eat certain foods, even though they're perfectly edible. Well, I mean that's actually kind of how it is in some places. Yeah, yeah. It almost ties into religion because certain religions like prevent you from eating certain things. So exactly, yep. And and food actually is a really big part of a lot of religious rituals. Um, what about you, Jeremy? Yeah. Oh no. I'm- I'm enjoying listening to you guys today. This is great. <laughs> uh, as far as stories, uh, L.R. Burquist's, uh <laughs> L.R. Burquist. Yes. I've heard of her. I've read yeah, her stuff. I've read it's her stuff, really too, good. and it's, it's great on Amazon. Uh, but yes, there is a lot of food talk in that book. Lots of food talk, although it may not be what you were expecting. Leah is squirming uncomfortably. And, and <laughs> now for our sponsor, Leah. Yes. <laughs> this episode is sponsored by The Valley of Bones, book two in the Shadows of, <laughs> Shadows of Crow. Yeah. Oh my yes, God. I got it. I and, think I'm and, actually blushing. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Leah, what do people eat in your book? Food. And... People. There we go. <laughs> I was gonna say, you know what I'm go- what I'm shooting for. Not everybody, but there are cannibals in it, and they're not just like we eat people because they're yummy. It's more of a cultural. It's cultural and it's a necessity. Yeah, and uh, be- because, and we can cut this out later if you de- deem this too spoilery. Um, but because they view individuals differently than humans do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't consider it like as much of a taboo. Like, yeah, it's not taboo. People are just meat. Like people are just meat, and so are they. Mm-hmm. They consider each other meat. Well, that like, sounds like a party, a, a Donner party. Oh. oh my gosh, that was so cr- that was so cringy. Please, that's yeah, beautiful. I ain't I ain't cutting that. <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> Quite the party. <laughs> so yeah, I really thought it was fascinating how you, you know made cannibalism, you know, understandable and believable. Why, thank and, you. and a food. I, I mean, that's what it was. <laughs> I read a lot about it and did a lot of research and went to some dark places. <laughs> FBI, don't read my internet search history. <laughs> no. I mean, they should never read a writer's internet search history. Yeah, that's always a, that's always a bad plan. Exactly. Um, yeah, just how... Oh, but also, like, the, the people who are eating other people are not human no they're not human i mean they're i mean they're not like you know lizard people or anything but no i don't know they're kind of no just kidding and see another interesting thing is is there's also regular food and these cannibals enjoy it at least the one that has to eat the regular food enjoys some of it sometimes and has reactions to other parts that no other no other creature would have a reaction to in those books oh the other thing i love is that (laughs) magic like people who like are mages or whatever like they taste, they taste different. different. Like yep. they taste like uh-huh. what is it? Spicy, tingly. They're yummy. <laughs> 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 but 
Oh, that's so fantastic. <laughs> yeah. On, on the topic of regular human food, not long pork. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Long pork? You yeah, you've never heard of the term long pork? It's what human is called when it's food, long, long pork. Or long pig. Oh yeah, I've not heard that. So if you ever go to like a really shady restaurant and they're, they're like, we've got the special, it's long pork. Eat mm. it. No, I don't want to go crazy. <laughs> humans eating other humans, that's why I brought up the species thing. Humans eating other humans, there's a certain chemical that... Oh, I know. Yeah, it's not good for you. Not no. good for your mental health. Okay, this is going to deviate into a really crazy topic, but it would be fun to talk about. Okay. So I was just reading a news article today. I'm sorry. They, that they talked about taking a pig embryo and inserting um, like genetic like DNA from humans into it and they were able to actually keep the this fetus alive the, this chimera fetus alive for like three weeks and um, before it finally died and they had Who like did nine, that was this in China where they no, this was in America this what? was in California I yeah believe. it was performed by Dr. Moreau yes no, no. <laughs> Not the just island. On an island yes, off no. the coast of California. Um, but what, so, so this was recently done. This, this happened this year, and they, they've been experimenting with inserting, like, the, the DNA of mice and putting it into the embryo of rats and inserting the DNA of humans into pigs and into, like, chickens and different things like that. And they're actually succeeding for, like, up to, like, three weeks keeping these and things alive. And this is how you get the mutant apocalypse. Where I'm leading to is if we were able to keep these things alive to create these actual living, breathing chimeras, you know, like, getting rid of all the legalities and the chaos of it, what, like... You could where, have a literal turducken. <laughs> That's what I'm getting to is, like, is this cannibalism or is this, like, a... Vi- you said, is this cannibalism? Yeah, yeah. Is this cannibalism or is this just a very aggressive form of just, um, you know, being a carnivorous meat eater? Like, is this like the new dish at Rodizio? Like, we have the wild game night, you know, instead of just eating like snake and, and shark and buffalo, you're going to eat... Ant Marge. Man pig. <laughs> well, and, and also there's the fact that, that oh. meat can now actually be grown in labs. Like, they've been able to grow specific muscles like animal beef muscles and all that without an animal actually being involved other than its DNA. So, you know. But stem cell research is of Satan. Just kidding. I'm, I'm just. Well, that, I'm giving him a look right well, now. Here, here's, here's what's really interesting. So you, you get into all the moral complications of of that. You know, it's how far can we go before, you know, we're, we're breaking morals. And so, like, right now in the United States, the law has been for at least the last four years that you cannot keep this chimera alive to the point where it starts developing a like nervous system and so once it starts developing that point of feeling and emotion you know then you're breaking the law so they have it has to either be killed or not live i love how we got to hear yeah from food (laughs) i know he started talking about this and i was like are we eating these embryos Oh my gosh. When they have to terminate it, do they become hey, like in other news they found gnocchi? some some like, you know, good genetic markers for like like teeth and like tails and stuff like that in birds, like chickens. So you may be eating a mini dinosaur any any I mean, I've kind any of decade now. Anyways. Okay, well continuing genetics, imagine just taking you know, the food that you have, and we've been doing this for hundreds of years, and just genetically modifying it to be better. And obviously we've done that with fruit, with vegetables, even with animals, you know, through breeding. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to take that concept into a fantasy story, using anything from magic to genetically modify food to be 
more delicious. And there's so many concepts that you can go through with that. Isn't that Leah's what we do? grinning evilly over yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> because I kind of did something along those lines. <laughs> Jeremy, you were going to say something? What was Isn't it? this what we already do? We add salt. We, we put on ketchup. We... We, we do all this stuff just to make food taste better. So but now, now we'll just do it before they're born. Here's yeah. the ketchup gene. Cooking, <laughs> is, cooking is like modern alchemy. You're, you're taking one thing and making it into something else. You oh, know, and it. imagine being able to do that with, with gene research, like you said, and altering genes so that you're like, this is going to be the best tasting turkey in the world. It runs around with its own gravy. So <laughs> my, fa- my father-in-law has the idea for what he would create, and we've talked about this before. He calls it the rib beast, and it's just this fat thing that basically doesn't have legs or arms, and it just sits there mewling pitifully, and it's got this big fat head on this round body, and you just bop it on the head, and it causes a chemical reaction, so it just splits open like a like a flower, and just all these hot steamed ribs with barbecue sauce are just ready to be plucked well, hey, like, a, you know, like a, a blooming onion kind of a thing. There's literally, so... Um, <laughs> now we're getting into biology. Um, <laughs> there's a reason mammals don't get as big as dinosaurs did. Um, it's because mammal mammal flesh mammal flesh is denser than like a bird and its relatives. So like a mammal as big as uh, you know one of those long necked dinosaurs would cook itself from the inside out because of how the body mammals heat. regulate body heat. Really. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, that's why you know most of these animals that are the biggest animals they have to be in the ocean. It just wouldn't be biologically possible. The ocean is their, their cooling system. Yep. So well, is that why the, a dra- the dragon would system. breathe fire? Is because it's so hot inside, it has to just let it out every well, so see, often. Well, see, a dragon dragon <laughs> doesn't have like a, a mammal, mammalian mammalian. Be, it would have to be either right? cold blooded or very bird based biology for it to be well, able to. Who says it isn't? Hollow bones, mm-hmm. kind of a thing. I don't so know. He's, so we're going to call this episode Food and Genetic Manipulation, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> Which is totally fine because this is a really, really fascinating topic. Yeah, we, we were starting off with food and fantasy and we're like, let's take a sci fi twist and just go for it. Yeah. Well, d- uh, you know, who's to say that has to be sci fi though? Because, you know, you, you brought up how cooking is modern day alchemy. Yeah. You know, you could take, you know, the book I'm writing is got a lot of al- actual alchemy in it, mm-hmm. you could use that and intermix it with food because, again, the book that I'm writing also has food-based magic. Um, oh, yeah, it's really fun. Like, the cooking... That s- sounds the, awesome. The, 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 the P- pizza magic? Well, maybe it's, not pizza magic. It's really... Uh, there's various different magic systems that imbue different level, different types of energies into the mages of this world. Um, if you use food-based magic, the the energy name that you use is a caloric jolt, and it's it, I'm having a fun time with it. That's awesome. So, that sounds really fun. Super cool. Oh, it's really exciting. Um, yeah. Then everybody looks at me. We're all just grinning. That's the problem. Because <laughs> we're all just sitting here thinking about food. <laughs> See, that's right. the problem. I made this really great pot roast yesterday. That's the problem with being a writer. You just get distracted in your own mind. Yeah. So I have a, I have a, I'll call it a science fantasy series. Uh, takes place on a bunch of like disc-shaped worlds that are actually like magical light boat life boats from a galactic apocalypse. But anyway. Um, they're kind of self-sustaining enough to have like air and plants and stuff like that, but they're not like quite big enough and functional enough to have full animal ecosystems going. So they're apart from like bugs, like maybe little bugs, there's no animals. And in fact, I don't even I don't mention that there's no animals once 
are, are drawing attention to it because that's how the people there don't notice they don't know what they're missing they don't know what they're missing they're not like gee all the animals are gone yeah so it's like but if they saw a dog they'd be like what in the half-baked potatoes is that but i actually kind of stumbled <laughs> half-baked potatoes i kind of stumbled on that because i'd been doing the world building and stuff and i was writing the book and i was like i haven't mentioned a single animal oh, that's because it would make zero sense mm -hmm. or very little sense for there to be animals on these worlds. To go yeah. with that, I actually have two questions. My first one being, you know, how do you handle in your story or in a book that you've read, how have you seen this being handled, the logistics of food? Like, for example, you're writing about this million-man army coming towards this castle to siege it, you know. The logistics of food and carrying food and provisions alongside such a massive army, you have to be able to address it in a certain way. How, how have I seen it addressed? How, Poorly. How, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's very hard to do it. I, I had to do that myself with one of my prior stories, the last book in the Sunrider trilogy. And so good. It, you know, I had to resort to a lot of mathematics and research, and even then it was like stretching the limit of of reality to, to fiction to being able to do something like that. So, you know, and, and I'm not talking just million-man armies and logistics of that. I'm talking about, you know, you know, for example, our economy, you know, our food-based economy is a very fragile thing. You know, you've seen how it Civilization is. Civilization is uh, one meal away from starvation, right? Right. So... My, my first question is that for you guys, how would you address or how have you seen addressed, in a good example, the logistics of food? So in, in books I've read, a lot of times armies tend to basically raid villages and farm towns as they go by. They just take everything. They take the animals, they take the grain, they just take everything and usually leave the family with nothing. And that's what I've yep. seen, that's what I've read a lot in books. And it's a very common pattern of uh, armies being like, I mean, even to their own people, mm -hmm. like, hey, uh, you need to give us all your food. Yeah. I was reading that. Uh, For the king. The king killer. <laughs> the king killer chronicles. Yeah. I was reading those. And that's kind of how that's kind of how that one started out. That guy was being shook down on the highway by soldiers, you know, mm -hmm. and same thing in. I mean, going back to Wheel of Time, there's a lot of a lot of movement in the Wheel of Time that has to do with entire armies moving, and they address that a lot too. That when armies go through areas, they leave them with nothing. You know, in in my book, when I had an army at the end, they just they just ate their enemies. <laughs> so that's how I addressed it. I was like, what are they going to eat? I was like, well, if one of them gets killed, there's dinner. <laughs> one of the enemy gets killed, there's more dinner. <laughs> Done. <laughs> You know, it's real convenient for cannibalism to not be a taboo. Right? I mean, like, oh, look, look, look at the smorgasbord. Um, that's the enemy army. Um, same thing. They're like, oh, look, there's the buffet. We just have to kill them first. It's called fresh. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right. Well. Oh, I did have a second question to go. Oh, with yes. That. We'll do your second question, and then we'll wrap it. Okay. Would My second would? question is, how would you make food not boring? in a fantasy book because that can become so it can become a trope so easily you know you go to the inn and you have your lamb stew and your mug of ale and you know bread with you know your stale bread with some cheese slices or whatever you know it's you've read it a million times in a million different books i skirt the issue by just not talking about food 
<laughs> for me, it kind of depends on where they at, I, where they're at. I've done a lot of, I've read a lot about forging, mm-hmm. and I've like gone up into the, our, our mountains here with little books on what you can eat, and I've foraged for nuts and berries and roots and all that stuff. And I've learned a lot about what you can make. And I've also learned about ways that you can get like natural salt and natural sugars. So I think it just depends on what your characters are, on what your character's knowledge is. Now, if you're talking about going into an inn or something like that, I think you also have to think about what kind of spices are available in the area, in the region, and how much do those spices cost? We underestimate the value of spices nowadays. Like people oh, fought wars over the trade of spices. That's a really good point. Like uh, there's this huge joke I, I read on Twitter from some, uh, it was a British person. They were like, we conquered the world to get all the spices and then we got bored of the spices and now our food is bland. <laughs> <laughs> well, you think about spices like saffron. Saffron is worth more than gold in most places. Wow. I mean, have yeah. you ever bought saffron before? Like real saffron? No, you can get I've a, never, I, I, it's so expensive. It's you really can get expensive. like for twenty dollars, you will get like three or four little saffrons. They're and the little stringy bits in the center of a flower, and they yeah. only bloom like once every, I don't know, like once a year, once every couple of years or something. And they have to go and hand pick them with tweezers. Mm-hmm. And in a lot of countries where saffron is grown, you can it's actually considered a federal offense sometimes to grow and or sell fake saffron. Like you wow. could be put to death for it. Dang. It's really good in rice, though. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never had saffron. It's, because oh, it's well, expensive. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what cultures use saffron. It's a it's for seasoning. They put it in rice sometimes. They put it in even, like, different types of... Like curry? Indian? Yeah, it's Indian? used a lot in... in, in uh, not in curry, but in a lot of, of, like, Middle Eastern cooking, for instance. Okay. Well, then maybe I have had something with saffron in it. Probably. It was probably an expensive dish. So the moral of the story is we like food. <laughs> and we like talking about food, and I think people really like reading about food. I think they do, too. You ever read something in a story, and you're just like, that sounds delicious, and now I want to go cook. And I want to point something out real quick. Recently, I found that there is a Dungeons & Dragons-themed cookbook called Heroes Feast. And it's amazing. I'm so hungry right now. <laughs> because I'm a big enough dork I d- to I have bought it and either, read it and oh, that's funny. cooked stuff. But to be honest, uh, I, I think I'm going to offer a, an odd alternative viewpoint. Maybe it has something to do with I might have acid reflux like going in my throat and my, all that stuff. But I have kind of a love-hate relationship with food. Uh, I, like I joked at the very beginning, if I could get by without ever needing to eat food again, I would be totally cool with that. So I have a friend that feels that way I too, and he invested it. in this stuff called called Soylent. It's oh. actually called Soylent. Is it green? It is green. Is it people? No, it's actually not people. <laughs> um, but it apparently is like it's kind of like this powder, and you put it in this drink, and you can or and it, it should have everything your body needs. Okay, and I'm he tried that. he tried living off of nothing but that for like a month, and now with extra long pork. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, it, have some ketchup? apparently it made him really gassy. So long pork <laughs> makes you gassy. Uh, if it's powdered, I guess. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, on that I note. think it's time to wrap this up before we get into more Be- genetic aberrations. We'll wrap up before Aww. it gets too weird? Yes. <laughs> okay. Have you ever snuck something you really like into one of your stories? Like to eat? Yes. 
Oh, yes. Have you ever done that? Have you ever snuck something that wouldn't really appear in your story unless you kind of just snuck it in there? Oh, yeah. Food-wise? I don't know. Food-wise. I, I tend to put things in there that Leah I don't like. Leah has thought about eating people, apparently. Yes. <laughs> Leah okay, thinks about it all the time. <laughs> i got to think from the point of view of a certain character, and he eats people, okay? Yeah, I mean, sometimes people walk by, and I'm like, that one would be a good candidate. Look at the muscle. Stop. Stop. <laughs> if, if you don't hear from us in a, another episode, please send help. <laughs> Our chewed-up bodies are out in the desert. Gross. <laughs> it's because Leah consumed us. <laughs> yeah, right. because well, I'm definitely I, big enough. I, to I did want to say that I have snuck ketchup into my book, just but no one has noticed at this point. Ketchup <laughs> has been around for a really long time. Uh, actually. Uh-huh. And uh, I've but a you know what else has tennis? They played tennis in the Middle Ages. Yeah, in the streets. Mm-hmm. All right, I think we should. <laughs> I think it's time we wrap up. I mean, unless you guys have for the it. third time. <laughs> yeah, for the third time. <laughs> we're we're uh, we're just about at time. Um, well, in closing, again, we are the Four Seasons of Epic Fantasy. Please give us a like if you enjoyed this. And by all means, please leave, leave us comments or any questions or anything that you'd like us to address in further episodes. Like, share, subscribe, send us money. And tell us what give your us favorite dish is. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please. Love to see favorite What is recipes. your favorite food? What Be- food would you like to see in a story? Because I might yeah. add it to my story. Me too. And he'll describe it so well, it'll be just as good as eating it. Mm-hmm.